Hello! Welcome to another story about the Peters family. The name of this week's story is Pearson's Jonah Plant. Ever heard of a Jonah plant? If you're familiar with the book of Jonah in the Bible, you might know what it is. But if you don't know what it is, hopefully by the end of the story, you will. If you've been listening to our stories for any length of time, you'll know that within each story, we include a line from a hymn or a hymn title. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. And if yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week's winner was Rowan from San Jose, California, with her answer of Day by Day from the story, The Peters Family Heroics. Good job, Rowan! Also, in this week's story, Pearson refers to a memory that he has about Todd Hicks in which a spray can of cheese is mentioned. If you'd like to go back and listen to the story in which Pearson and Todd Hicks were involved with a spray can of cheese, you can do that. The name of that story is Pearson Peters and the Bad Company. Now, it's time for this week's story, Pearson's Jonah Plant. Ugh! Sundays are the absolute worst! Pearson complained as he picked up the newspapers off the living room floor. Pearson, that's certainly not a very righteous sentiment. Sunday is the Lord's Day. Daddy Peters looked over the top of his book at Pearson. I know, Daddy Peters, but it's definitely the worst day of the week. I don't mean any disrespect. But Pearson, I don't understand. How can the Lord's Day be the worst day of the week? Because, Daddy Peters, it's because Monday's the next day. It it just stinks. I have so much school to do, and I don't have enough time to do it, and it's not fun doing my math because I stink at math, and, and I don't know. That's why Sundays stink, Daddy Peters. One could readily detect the exasperation in Pearson's voice. So let me get this straight, Pearson. Your dread of Sundays has to sully Mondays? I guess, Daddy Peters, but, um... What can I do? It's it's uh, like a, a dark cloud that rolls over my head on, on Sunday afternoon. Wow, such drama. Nice, Pearson. But uh, I'm not really being dramatic, Daddy Peters. It's, uh, it's, it's true. I know what you mean, Pearson. Pearson looked over at Mama Peters, who had begun to speak. I, too, have a bit of a hard time when I know that Monday's coming. The weekend of relaxation and togetherness and time at church is very special to me. So I know what it's like to have just a hint of dread in my heart when it's time for me to make Daddy Peters' lunch for Monday. Although I will say I'm pretty thrilled that I no longer have to put together lunches for you kiddos now that we're homeschooling. You know, Mama Peters, I like school. I really do. I, I especially like it at home. So Sundays are fine for me. But I get what Piers is saying. We've had a great weekend, and it's just hard to start back again with work. And it just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. As often was the case with Penelope, When she got excited, her cadence picked up steam. Penelope stopped speaking long enough to catch a glimpse of the twins playing on the floor with the broken horse head of her little Miss Molly doll. I just wish I were as carefree as the twins. Look at them. They have no clue about what day of the week it is. Isn't that the truth? Daddy Peters looked down at the twins from the couch with a big smile plastered on his face. Anyway, Sundays stink, Pearson persisted. Well... I tend to think there's a better way to handle it than to complain about it, bud. It might be helpful to remember that God gave us every day in His mercy. He doesn't have to allow us to wake up and live in general comfort. 
but he does. He doesn't have to give us a day of rest or a weekend of rest and fun, but he does. Remember the story of Jonah? Pearson nodded. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh to warn the people to repent of their sins. He absolutely hated the Ninevites and refused to go. He ignored the word of the Lord, and he decided that he would get as far away from Tarshish and Nineveh as he could. Then a storm rolled in and caused his ship to nearly capsize. Those on board were scared out of their wits. Jonah, who should have been most terrified, was quite at peace in the hull of the ship. He was so peaceful, in fact, that he was sound asleep. He was happy that he wasn't going to be helping the Ninevites, the people he hated so much. So a storm wasn't going to get the best of him. Only thing is, he couldn't ignore the storm or be ignored for very long because the sailors knew that the storm was an act of God and they sensed that it was as a result of God's judgment on someone on the ship. So after casting lots, that's kind of like throwing dice, and the lot fell on Jonah, they knew he was guilty, so they decided, despite it being a bad idea, to cast him overboard. Well, Jonah was totally resigned to that, which gives us a clue of where his heart was. He was fine with being thrown overboard, and he was fine with dying, because that would get him out of having to go to the Ninevites to tell them to repent of their sins. Wow! Penelope was riveted. That's so crazy and stubborn. I know, Penelope, Daddy Peters agreed. Anyway, he embraced death. But God, in his mercy, kept Jonah alive. And you know the story. God assigned a fish to swallow Jonah. That is totally scary. I am so scared of sharks. I I can't imagine being in the water in the middle of the night and having a fish come and swallow me, Pearson interrupted. You said it, Pierce. Can you even imagine? So you've been thrown overboard, and maybe you can swim, but maybe you can't. Because back then, most of the folks could not swim, even sailors. So I would guess that Jonah, a prophet, couldn't swim. And here he is just flailing about in the water. Or maybe he wasn't, too. Maybe he was so ready to die, or more accurately, he didn't even care if he died, that he just lay there in the water. Either way, to have a giant fish come up and swallow you. Oh, boy. Well, there aren't enough words to describe the horror of it all. But getting back to the story, a giant fish did swallow Jonah. As he was in the belly of the giant fish, he was probably surrounded by yuck and wondering why in the world he still didn't die. He was probably wondering if he would die in the fish. But after three days of being inside the fish, Jonah finally repented. He told the Lord he had done the wrong thing, and the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up. Do you remember the time that one of the twins, yeah, it was Patience, and she vomited up her cereal on the rug, and you both began gagging just from the smell of it? Oh, Daddy Peters, that is so gross. I seriously thought I was going to throw up from smelling her throw up, Penelope answered, scrunching up her face. You can say that again, Pen. Imagine the nastiness of the great fish that vomited Jonah up, and it wasn't as if there were showers available. So Jonah had to get up in his filth and walk to Nineveh. Can you even comprehend this? It's nuts. But by then, he was ready to obey God, and he went to Nineveh. Only as quickly as he had repented, his anger again welled up inside of him. His heart toward the Ninevites hadn't changed. He still hated them, but he would share the message of repentance in hopes that the Ninevites would be duly warned before having God's judgment rain down on them, maybe even in the form of sulfuric acid. He was probably envisioning all the horrible things that God's wrath was going to bring on the wicked people of Nineveh. But Daddy Peters, 
Pearson looked quizzical. They were wicked, though, weren't they? They were, Pearson, and I understand why Jonah would have wanted them to receive God's judgment. Me too, Daddy Peters, Penelope interrupted. Remember when we used to live next door to Flo, our mean neighbor? She was so rude all the time. If a ball landed on her front yard, she would bring it back and tell us that next time she would poke a hole in it. And I remember you telling me, well, telling us, that we shouldn't be angry with Flo. You told us that we needed to turn the other cheek. Oh, yes, Flo. Mama Peters nodded in remembrance. She was a difficult neighbor, and it was hard to love her. But God has commanded us in his word, in Matthew seven twelve, which says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. And boy, wasn't it a great day when we were able to share the gospel with Flo? Instead of revenge, God saved her. And later, after she had come to faith, she told us how bewildered she was by our kindness because she was so nasty to us. And yet we remain loving toward her. Oh, I know, Mama Peters, Pearson was reminiscing now. It would have been so easy for us to be angry with Flo. Remember the time the mailman delivered our mail to her house? And instead of just walking it over to us, she sent it back to the post office. I needed my birth certificate, and it turned out that it was accidentally delivered to her house. Penelope picked up the story from there. And remember, Mama Peters, when you saw her and you asked her why she hadn't just walked it over to our house and she said, it's not my job? I was really upset about that, and it was hard for me not to be cross-toward her. But the Lord reminded me not to be spiteful, because I had just learned Romans twelve nine that says, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. But I still wanted God to punish her. I didn't even think about wanting her to repent and to know Jesus. But Mama Peters pointed out that I had unforgiveness in my heart, and that God had saved me, so I didn't have to go to a scary place like hell, and that I was a sinner too, and I needed Jesus just as much as Flo. So God let me see Flo differently. They all sat quietly for a couple minutes, remembering Flo and how she used to be so nasty before Jesus changed her heart. Daddy Peter started talking about Jonah right where he had left off. Anyway, as I was saying, Jonah's heart was filled with malice and hatred toward the Ninevites. He didn't want God to save them. He didn't want them to listen to the message and repent. He hated them and he wanted God to judge them because he thought they deserved it. So although the Bible doesn't really tell us, I kind of imagine Jonah on the streets half-heartedly shouting out, Repent! Repent! The city will be destroyed if not! God used Jonah to deliver his message to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites took Jonah seriously. But here's the deal. Jonah had no idea if the Ninevites would take it seriously. So he gleefully set up a spot at the top of the hill so he could watch the destruction of the city. He was just waiting for the fire from heaven that would consume all the Ninevites. As he sat there waiting, the day got hotter. But the thing is, the Ninevite king and the people were fasting and repenting because they had taken Jonah's warning to heart and were sorrowful over their sin. Meanwhile, back on the hill, poor Jonah was hot. The sun was beating on his head, which was probably covered in crust whale vomit. Oh, Daddy Peters! Penelope practically shrieked. That's so disgusting! Oh, Daddy Peters, I agree with Penelope on this one, Mama Peters added. Daddy Peters affectionately smiled at Mama Peters and Penelope and continued, Jonah sat on that hill in the heat of the day and began to feel uncomfortable. When nothing seemed to be happening from heaven, and the city of Nineveh still stood intact, Jonah began to dread what he thought very well might be true. Have you ever had a nagging feeling in your heart? It's kind of when you hope and hope for something that you know isn't going to happen. And you even know that you shouldn't be hoping for that? 
Oh boy, Daddy Peters, I sure do. I remember the time that I hoped that Todd Hicks would move away, Pearson shared, and maybe that he wouldn't be at school on the very day we became friends, because he had been such a pain. He was always kind of rude and sassy, and I didn't want him to be at school because I had a presentation that day, and I knew he would make fun of it. So I prayed, and I prayed that God would just have him move away that night, or at least be sick the next day. Those weren't such kind thoughts, but Pearson was being honest. Oh, yes, I do remember that, Pearson. Remember how we prayed that you would instead love Todd and learn to overlook things? Mama Peters asked. I sure do, Mama Peters. I remember you telling me not to hope for things to change externally. You told me that I should pray that my heart would be ready for what God had planned. And I knew what you meant, but I think I still hoped I wouldn't see him the next day. But there he was, bright and early in my class. Only remember how we kind of started to become friends that day? And then he handed me his can of spray cheese in class, and and I kind of got him in trouble? And then he was so forgiving about it. And, and I got to know him. And, and now he's one of my best friends. Pearson had trouble keeping his composure at the memory. Daddy Peters' eyes were glistening with tears as well. What a story, Pearson. How kind that God brought about so much. Most importantly, Todd is a believer in Jesus. Praise the Lord. I love that story, Pearson. It's a marvelous example of what I've been talking about. We shouldn't pray or hope for things that we know are not God's will. And that's what Jonah did. Deep down, he knew he should want the Ninevites to know God, to repent. And he also knew that God was merciful and that he would save the Ninevites. And of course, that's what God did. He looked down upon the Ninevites and he saw their genuine repentance and he saved them from his anger and his wrath. And then do you remember what he did for Jonah? He looked down at Jonah and he saw that Jonah was getting hot and he was miserable. And so he showed his mercy by growing a plant over Jonah, like for shade. With the shade from the gigantic plant, Jonah experienced relief from the high heat of the day, but the shade didn't assuage his anger. His heart was as hard as a stone. He was furious that God wasn't going to kill the Ninevites. But Daddy Peters, how could he be so angry? God was kind to him in so many ways. Penelope just could not figure it out. Exactly, Pen. However, anger has a way of blinding people to themselves, and that's what happened with Jonah. It blinded Jonah's eyes to all that he had done by disobeying and by hating the Ninevites. And he refused to see that he might deserve God's wrath, but instead had received God's grace. When I say he was blind, he wasn't physically blind. He could see, but he was spiritually blind. It's kind of like what would happen when we used to play baseball in the backyard and Penelope would cover her face with her mitt. She would do that when she got tired of playing or when she got physically tired or it got too hot. And I would warn her to be careful because the ball might hit her in the shins. But she'd say, Daddy Peters, I can see. There are holes between the fingers of the baseball mitt and I can see. And I would explain by saying something like, Pen, I know you can see, but your vision is impeded and you don't have full range of vision. Oh boy, do I remember that. And I kept telling you that I could see. I could see everything in front of me. <laughs> And that's when the ball hit me right in the shins. And then I understood what you meant because I could see straight in front of me, but I couldn't see down or up high. That's right, Nellie. And sin is like that. It has a blinding effect. So our anger is like that baseball glove. We can see some, but we can't see clearly. 
Our vision is obstructed. We think we can see just fine, but in fact, we cannot. And that's how it was with Jonah. His blind rage hampered his view of himself, and he didn't see that God had mercy on him in the very way that he had mercy and grace on the Ninevites. And at long last, God gave Jonah the chance to understand. He sent a worm to eat the shady plant that he had created just for Jonah. Of course, you can imagine his reaction. He was enraged. And when God asked Jonah if he had the right to be angry about a plant that he didn't create, Jonah answered that he did have a right to be angry. And he felt sorry for himself, wanting to die because nothing had gone right for him. And God pointed out that Jonah's heart was so hardened that he felt more sad about a plant than he did for the hundred thousand people living in Nineveh. He didn't even care that they didn't know about the God of the universe. And we don't know what Jonah did, because that's where the book of Jonah ends, but I sure hope he repented. So Pearson, Penelope, that's what I'm trying to say. When we complain, when we say, I don't like this day, instead of, thank you, Lord, for giving me this day, we're being hardened to the good things that God has given us. The Lord, in his loving kindness, has given us Sunday. Sunday is a day that we should set apart as a day for him. We go to church on Sunday because of that. And the Lord is so kind. He didn't have to give us a day of rest, but he did. We fail to remember God's kindness, and we're filled with ingratitude, and we're discontent. Oh, Daddy Peters, I think I understand. God is merciful to give us a rest day from our work and our schoolwork, and I just wasn't being grateful. Sunday is my Jonah plant on the hill. Pearson was thoughtful. Mama Peters added some practical wisdom. Pearson, Penelope, perhaps if you better prepare for Monday, you won't be in dread of Sunday. Maybe make sure all of your schoolwork is done and your room is clean. That will probably go a long way in helping to ease your mind and enjoy a day of rest on Sunday. I do that for myself. When I finish with your schooling on Friday, I make a list of all that you have to do on Monday, and I'm sure to be prepared for Monday by looking at the lessons ahead of time and making sure I have the ingredients I need to cook dinner for the weekend and that I have the essentials for Daddy Peters' lunch for the week. That way, I can stay focused on the Lord's Day. But mostly, Daddy Peters began to speak again, when apprehension and dread creep in, we must always give it to the Lord. The Lord knows our hearts, and He already knows what we're feeling, but He wants us to come to Him and voice those feelings. Tell God that you don't know how to feel differently, but make a commitment to honor the Lord's command to not complain, but instead to give thanks. Do everything without complaining, the Bible says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. I know that's not easy, but God gives strength and grace to do hard things. And don't forget, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Pearson looked at Daddy Peters. I get it, Daddy Peters. I'm going to start praying that God will help me love Sundays more. Pearson paused to look at Mama Peters. And that I'll prepare better for Mondays. That would help too. And speaking of preparing, Penelope, Pearson, it's time to prepare by taking showers and heading off to bed. Mama Peters chuckled. <laughs> oh, rats. Oh, oh, never mind. Pearson quickly corrected himself. I mean, oh, yes. Thank you, Lord, for Sundays. And hooray for Monday mornings. This is Grandmom's Corner. So what about you? 
Are there things you just dread and you feel apprehensive about having to do? I was speaking to my youngest daughter, Lydia, this week about how we are often anxious about the future. She brought up how she had had a dentist appointment a couple of weeks prior and she had been dreading it. Can any of you relate to worrying or being fearful of having to go see the dentist? Lydia was nervous about going, but she knew she needed her teeth cleaned and she needed an exam. Over the last three years or so though, she's had some procedures that have caused her to feel some trepidation about going to see the dentist. She had to have two of her wisdom teeth pulled, for example, along with another kind of procedure. So she wasn't looking forward to her January appointment, but she prayed that God would give her peace about it and the day of the appointment arrived. And guess what? She said she literally had a smile on her face when she left her appointment because she didn't have any cavities and the appointment went great. We continued our discussion talking about other things that we had dreaded and how most of those things didn't turn out as bad as we thought they would. We reminisced about the time she had to fly to Washington, D.C. for an internship shortly after graduating from college. She doesn't really like to fly. She felt anxious, but she prayed, and we asked others to pray that God would give her peace. She was a bit edgy in the days leading up to her flight, and she had a feeling of dread. But the Lord was gracious, and not only did He give her peace, but on the flight, she was seated next to a woman who was a Christian. The woman asked Lydia to pray for her because she was nervous about her son who was going to be attending a military academy, and Lydia asked her to pray that she would have a calm heart on her flights. When we meet fellow believers in life, we have an instantaneous bond. And so this woman and Lydia prayed together on the flight, and Lydia felt complete peace. This week, if your heart begins to fill up with fear and anxiety, and perhaps you have a dentist appointment scheduled for this week, Ask the Lord to fill your heart with peace. Think on good things, as it says in Philippians 4.8. I love Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom, or you could even say, of what shall I be afraid? Finally, a simple verse to memorize is Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. The Lord willing, We'll be here next week with a new story. Bye for now.